Welcome back, everybody, to the EPL Boys Podcast. It's your boys back, ready to recap some games that happened and some riots that happened. Looking forward to get into that. That's going to be at the end after we recap all the games. So we have a lot of time allocated to talk about some things that happened to delay the Liverpool and Manchester United game. That's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. We're going to get to that later in the episode. But first, as always, J.D., tell us all about your weekend. I know you went and played soccer golf again. Yes, it was a great weekend. Played 18 holes of soccer golf. Uh, How long does that great, take? Great sport. Like, um, it's ba- so basically, it's on an actual golf course. It's like mm-hmm. 18 holes is like two. It, it's like a, the front nine of a normal golf course. Like there's two soccer golf holes on each golf hole. Uh, we had a we had a golf cart, so like it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Like we walked a lot, obviously. But is it harder um, than golf? Because you've played golf and that. I, yeah, I play a lot of golf. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a lot easier than normal golf just because you're just kicking a ball rather than like yeah. the technique it takes to hit a golf ball, you know, yeah. straight. Never mind actually hit it. Yeah, um, golf but is it's, hard. It's super, yeah, like like my like I was with my friend in Maryland and one of his friends and then his fiance and then my girlfriend. So it was like the five of us. And it's anybody can do it. Like yeah. we we all play it. Like you just kick it. Like obviously, like if you played soccer, you could probably kick it farther than someone who hasn't. But mm-hmm. it's still like fun, and anybody can do it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's just it's just another excuse to be out in the sun and drink. So love yep. those. Love exactly. those. Matt, how was your weekend? Hey man, my weekend was good. Got to see back to back soccer games on Friday and Saturday night. Got to see Red Bull two play on Friday night. That was they they took the loss unfortunately in that one. But on Saturday, Red Bull won. I guess they got the win two nothing. And uh, surprisingly enough, the weather it was supposed to feel in the seventies, but with forty mile an hour wind chills, it felt like forty degrees. So you're Oof. dressing in shorts and a light jacket, and then out of nowhere, it's like, oh my god, where's my winter coat? So oh my, yeah, it's like, oh my god, um, this is awful. Yeah, Logan I w- doesn't know what that feels like. Yeah, I was about to say. So in Florida, I do for about two weeks, and then it's gone. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was gonna make the joke. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, yeah. So cold is like you know when you open up the fridge and you like oh it's a little chilly. Let me close the fridge. Yeah, except where JD and I live, we can't close the fridge. It's just always yeah. open for six months out of the year. Mm. Yeah, that sounds awful. I don't know why you guys deal with that. That just doesn't sound like a fun time, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, highly yeah. not rec- highly not recommended. Yeah, that sounds terrible. I can't wait to experience it for the first time and be like, man, fuck this, and then go home. But anyway, we have <laughs> games to talk about. We only have nine because, like we said, one did get postponed. Um, we don't know when that will be played. There are rumors, but nothing set in stone, so we will update when that happens. Predictions will carry over for that, so... We will be uh, the the points will be a little weird after the picks, but you know, we'll just we'll just cross that bridge when we get to it. First, let's talk about a game that a lot of people forgot about: Southampton versus Leicester. That did happen. Um, on expected goals, Leicester won one point nine five to point nine seven. Leicester had seventy one percent of the ball, twenty three shots to five. 
Uh, 19 chances created to four, and then three big chances created to one. Uh, James Ward Prowse scoring a penalty, and then Johnny Evans scoring the goal for Leicester. Don't see him score too often, but hey, he did. Anyway, Leicester beat the shit out of Southampton on the score sheet. They had a lot more shots after Southampton went down a man. Vestergaard with the red, but they just couldn't really capitalize. And they kind of fell a little bit short, Matt, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, outside of another wonderful red card call uh, in the Premier League. I mean, they're just, I, I feel like the refs are kind of like cops, where they have a quota and they have to issue a certain amount of red cards per year. Yeah. And because, again, the, the game is dead. The game is absolutely dead when these are being called red cards. It, it's, it's a weak challenge. And yes, his studs were a tad high, but come on. They can't keep calling little weak foul. You can give him a yellow all you want, but in the 10th minute, you're going to go and issue him a red card. I mean, come on. Vestigard, I just, I feel bad a little bit for Southampton because right off the bat, they're kind of put themselves in a hole. But then at the same time, I give Southampton a lot of credit. Southampton turned around and they are like, we're not going to break. They bent. Not 9-0 again. We're not yeah, doing it no. again. <laughs> that's the thing. But that's how this game felt. An early red card against <laughs> a team that you've already lost 9-0 could have been 9-0. Definitely could have been 9-0. But, I mean, Leicester just didn't take advantage. And you know what? Hey, you know what? As a United fan, I'm going to take this result every single day of the week. So... Yeah, uh, thank you, Lester, for dropping what was a golden opportunity. And Southampton, if everything works out properly, I owe you guys a beer. Yeah, that was, um, it's crazy that that was a red, and yet somebody got their head stepped on in the Tottenham versus Sheffield game, but nothing, nothing was called from that. So that's interesting. But yeah, J.D., what was your takeaway from this game? I mean, look, it, it, it probably won't affect Lester's Champions League hopes, I, I would hope, but... Man, they really should have won this game. I, you can't have 70% of the possession, outshoot the other team by like 80%. I, I don't know if that's accurate, but it, it was a lot. I, I Man, and, and you're up a man from the majority of the game. Yeah. Leicester had so many chances. I, I watched the second half of this game, so I got to see all the goals. I missed the red card, but I watched it afterwards. But um, it was a little contentious. I, I don't know how I feel about it, but... Man, Leicester looked like they were going to do it. They, they did. They really did look like they were going to steal it at the end. But you just got to finish your chances. I, that's that's all I have to say. If you're relying on Johnny Evans to get you know a headed goal, you're not looking like you should be where you are in the table. That's all, that's all I have to say about it. Southampton didn't look great. And Leicester, I don't know. I mean, they're going to get top four. I, I, I really don't have any doubts about that. But what does that mean going forward if they're putting out performances like this? How are they going to do in Europe? I, when you're going up against like an Inter Milan, I, I don't know. And I, and I picked Inter Milan because they would get destroyed by Real Madrid or Juventus. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I mean, they're only five points ahead of West Ham at fifth. So, I mean, like... It's not the West Ham got of, kind of lucky today, so yeah, it's it's not out of contention to for them to drop out, but I mean, five points in four games is it is a lot to drop. Teams have done it before. Teams will do it again, so it might happen to them again. But yeah, other than that, this game was pretty one sided on the on the underlying stats, not on the score sheet though. Next game, 
a game that was one-sided on the scoreline and on the underlying stats. City versus Crystal Palace ended a 2-0 affair to Manchester City. You could have predicted that. Because Matt actually did. On expected goals, City won 1.83 to 0.94. City, just like uh, Leicester, had 70% of the ball. 20 shots to 9. 14 chances created to 6. But only one big chance created a piece. Uh, Torres and Aguero scoring what could be his last Manchester City goal. And it was a fucking good goal at that. Regardless though, JD, City took care of business. Uh, if 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 things fall their way, this could have been the Premier League winning game. It could have been. Could but have been. Uh, some guys in Manchester on the United side, the red side, yeah. had a say in that. But uh, <laughs> Manchester City, I look... I'm glad I did, I'm glad I didn't watch this game for a lot of reasons, just because Man City versus Crystal Palace does not seem like a desirable it's seven in the game. morning, like you yeah, know, seven in the morning. It's just it's not the kind of game that I'm just gonna go out of my way to watch. Yeah. However, I am a little disappointed I didn't get to see that Aguero go that Aguero goal live because watching it on replay, Jesus Christ, this is what this guy is. If not for injuries, this is what he would be doing every week this season. I. I don't know. I There's a lot of question marks with where Sergio Aguero is going to go after the season. I'm glad that he was at least able to score this goal. This is only his second goal this season. He's had a rough couple months here. I I don't know. But from the game, it's kind of a boring game, to be honest. I Yeah. 2-0, but so much possession. So many shots. 20 shots, only three on target. For the City team against a... Crystal Palace team that isn't that good. I I'm surprised that they weren't a little more clinical. I expected this to be a much bigger victory for Man City. So, sure, you get three points, you get a clean sheet, but I I don't know. They probably should have done. I mean, I know that they were playing their B squad, which would still beat most Premier League teams, but still, I don't know the depth that they have. I they should be playing better. Mm, okay, Matt, what were your takeaways? You know what? I'm not far away from what JD said. I mean, this is this was expected. And honestly, watching a game like this, you know, you really just again, you you feel for Crystal Palace just because you know they just don't have enough. Like mm-hmm. again, I I find it astonishing that like you see the players that City's resting for the midweek Champions League game. And they still have another world-class lineup on the bench that they're able to just like, oh, yeah, here, cool. I'll just throw these guys in. Like, it's basically just... I look at it as someone who has been, who's been playing Yu-Gi-Oh for, like, 20 years and has been building their deck. And Careful basically what every, you say here. Every single card in their deck is absolute fire. And then they're just playing okay. against someone who just started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And has, like, one good card to their name. And that one good card is Wilfred Zaha. So, it's... I just look at it as... This is what is expected. At the end of the day, Manchester City took care of business. And they did what they needed to do. And now, you know, it's too funny that... For the rest of the weekend, Manchester City fans were also Liverpool fans. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, that did not come to fruition. Um, I want to talk a little bit, and Logan, I want your opinion. I don't know if you saw mm. during this game, right before halftime, Wilfred Zaha had the ball taken off of his foot, and Wilfred Zaha kind of just coasted, and then the final whistle blew. Wilfred Zaha stayed on the field for what felt like 5-10 minutes after everyone else already went in, and it looked like he was just sitting there contemplating his life. What do you think... <laughs> what? What do you think 
was going through Wilfred Zaha's head at this point in time. Oh, man, I don't have a fucking clue. It feels like he's been doing that for the last, like, I don't know, three years he's been at Crystal Palace. I don't know, man. I don't know where the fuck he's going to go. I don't know and if then, he's going to go anywhere. Yeah. I don't know if he but can go anywhere. I think Crystal and, Palace have priced him out of a move that anyone in, in their right mind would fucking pay for. I don't think anyone will, would pay 60 to $70 million for Zaha at, what, 29 now? Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's I just feel, to, He has to be close to 30. Yeah, I think I think he's around the 28-year-old range. But I just look at it, and, and, you know, JD, I have the same question for you. I mean, I just have to think that, like, Wilfred Zaha just turns around. He looks at the rest of the guys on this Crystal Palace side and goes... I'm wasting my prime. I'm wasting yeah. my prime. Yeah, he's yeah. 28. He'll be 29 I mean, in November. He's all he's already wasted his prime because if he moved to another big team, he'd have to take a season to get used to it. Like yeah. used to playing with other good players like himself. I mean, it'd be it'd be a full season of embedding himself into that team and I I I don't think he's going to go to a better team. I for his sake, he either needs to stay at Palace, collect his paycheck, maybe get a pay rise with a new contract. I mean, not a huge one, but he's probably already getting a, way too much money for Crystal Palace. But or he needs to go to honestly the MLS. Look, the mm. MLS would be a good destination for him. I think. I, I this summer, imagine, sort of in his prime, he'd be going to a league that is, you know. A, Argue, or not arguably worse, you know, <laughs> but arguably there's a case for it. No, 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 no. I, I just think, imagine Wilfred Zaha playing in the MLS. That'd be like, because usually when you think of like European stars, like they're, they're the 34 year old, like Rooney or Steven Gerrard or Zlatan. Like, Zlatan. Well, Zlatan. Lampard. That's, that's, that's a different class. But, Pirlo. Yeah, Pirlo. Like, they're just going for the paycheck. They're not going to do much. Like, I, I don't know. Back uh, like, Steven, Steven Gerrard didn't do shit at the LA Galaxy. He didn't, he didn't do shit there. Uh, but Wilfred Zaha, you put him on a Philly Union. You put him on, like, a San Jose Earthquakes. Holy this is shit. JD wishful thinking right now. All right, yeah. all right, all right. I'm gonna, Holy I'm, shit. I'm going to stop you right there because at 28 years old, Wilfred Zaha is not going to the MLS. Honestly, Dude. what what I was thinking, you know what? Sebastian For, Giovinco. Forget did you call that one. Forget, forget. First of all, Sebastian Giovinco was an outcast in Syria. Ah, don't even get me started on that player. That's number one. <laughs> number two, Wilfred Zaha. If I was him, shout out to our boy JC. I think Wilfred Zaha got to find his way to the French league. Because honestly, yep. I Leon think when or something. I, I exactly. Marseille, I I think. Payette. I just if he think wants that, his food delivered in 45 minutes or less, maybe. I just think about it. Nice nice Uber Eats joke. Great Uber, good Uber Eats, Eats joke. joke, yeah. But <laughs> I just look at it as players who are struggling are looking to just break away. It's happened a couple times in the Premier League. Honestly, I compare like him to a Memphis Depay. Like, go to a French league. He's like 70 years older than Memphis Depay. <laughs> but I understand. But I'm talking about... <laughs> he's 26. The, I, what are you talking about? But I'm just no, talk- no, when it happened, I'm saying. Yes. Like, oh, oh, no. I agree. But I'm just saying... I think just a reset. He needs a little bit of a reset. And honestly, clearing his head, get yourself out of the Premier League. Get yourself out. Because yeah. the whole, I think for every single transfer window since this guy was, you know, in his young 20s was, oh, is Arsenal going to bite? Is Liverpool going to bite? Is Chelsea going to bite? Well, how about he tries getting out of the Premier League? How about his yeah. agent tries to get him out of the Premier League? 
maybe a nice fresh restart because like italy. i said I, yeah just italy exactly perfect for exactly him, go to italy, like napoli yeah. or something you know That's what i mean it. go to like like not a top one but like a decent one like i like i don't know play fucking inter milan just took all the fucking outcasts from like half of the Premier league and just won a title with it why why not join them you know what i mean That's Fuck it. it. He made his fucking well. Yeah, I don't. If I think he should move away from the Premier League, get the fuck out of Crystal Palace. Don't be there. Go play somewhere else. I think the MLS is too far right now. But I, if 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 he doesn't do anything in a couple years, yeah, MLS is calling. MLS could be calling for sure. All right, let's move on. Brighton two leads nil on expected goals. Brighton won two point two seven to point six two. Leeds had more possession fifty eight to forty two, but Brighton had more shots seventeen to eleven. More chances created 13 to 7, and more big chances created 4 to nil. Gross with a penalty and Welbeck scoring again. Danny Welbeck has been Brighton's best player this season, and that is saying something. Regardless, though, Matt, good for Brighton. They actually figured out how to score. I know, I know, one was a penalty, so I mean, you kind of should. But regardless, hey, they scored two goals. Honestly, I look at kind of like everything going on this weekend. You know, outside of random kids climbing nets with guys with flares. I think this is probably one of the bigger shockers of the weekend. I mean, we all, none of us, when we were picking this game, not one person on this podcast, and honestly, almost every single one of our fans did not give Brighton a prayer. They're like, nah, Leeds is going to take this. Leeds is going to be fine. I, Logan, you and I even complimented how well Leeds' defense looked. The yeah. past couple weeks, and but that's Brighton, just leads, man. Every time, every time you think you got them figured out, they just go and do something else. And that's exactly it. That is exactly it. I feel like this was just the one game where Leeds is going to be eh, and then next week they're just going to kick it right back into high gear again. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, think, I don't know who plays Leeds next, but watch out, guys, because they're pissed. I just, I feel like it's the same thing with Pep Guardiola. You never want to be the team to play after Pep loses. Like that's the game. Oh, he's going to review Ooh, that. It's Tottenham. Ooh, oh, that's a game. Ooh. Oh, that's a game. That is uh, a game. No, but I, I, I think good for Brighton. You know what? Brighton played their best game. They converted their chances. Uh, anytime Danny Welbeck gets on the score sheet, it just warms my heart a little bit. But yeah, Leeds, shake it off. They're going to be fine. It is what it is. Again, this is kind of like one of those games where both of these teams are safe, kind of. Everything's going to be fine. I think this does kill Leeds' hopes of getting into a European spot. But at the same time, this season yeah. has been an absolutely success for Leeds. Take it on the chin. Smile about it. Go play Tottenham next week. And basically just look for the future. Brighton, this yeah. is just something to just smile about and be like, hey, these are three massive points. We're staying up, boys and girls. Yeah. JD, the Leeds... Go get your boys. What happened? Look, look, we've known this about Leeds all season. Anytime you try and predict what they're going to do, they're going to do the exact opposite. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I just don't get them. They, they're so inconsistent on like, they can be the best team in the world coached by the third best manager in the world on any given Saturday or Sunday. But every other Saturday or Sunday, they are just dog shit. I, God damn it. They just look terrible. I really have to stop making those Patrick Bamford fucking $5 hat trick bets. I'm drained. Like, they are losing me money. 
Leeds are just ah. directly losing me money because I keep fucking betting on them. Because I know they're good. They are good. They just cannot play consistently well. And I I don't I, I just don't know what the problem is. Is it just one or two players that, that are the issue? Is it is it the management? Like Marcel Bielsa is a very good manager. Maybe he's just not right for the club. I, I don't know. I just don't know. But hats off to Brighton. They sat back well. Danny Welbeck. I mean, that touch alone. Just not even the goal. Not even the goal. The goal was good. But the touch, the the, the slice back, uh, just to set himself up for the shot, that is just fucking world class. And wow. Just, I, I have nothing else to say about it. But, uh, yeah. I mean, Leeds are fine. Brighton, Brighton are fine. This game really doesn't matter it, it was entertaining i guess but it it doesn't matter this late in the season yeah this this was a good win for brighton but ultimately an irrelevant one in the grass game of things like they moved up to 14th in the table like Ooh. what the fuck does that get you you know what i mean i get you not relegated so that's good for brighton um speaking of relegation i believe brighton do mathematically secure promotion now so that's good for them promotion um no, not promotion, but just you know, stand up. Yeah, they are they are ten points ahead of Fulham. Oh so my if god! They win did their Brayton next get, game? Did Brighton get promoted to the European Super League? Is that is that the next level? Is that what they happened? got promoted to fourteenth? So, well, that's they're actually good, they're 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 closer to Arsenal than I think Arsenal would be the Champions League, right? No, no, I, I, Arsenal, I was just guessing. I have no idea. Yeah, Arsenal are ninth. What? It's, it's not know. that far. It's not that far. I think it's. I think they literally split the difference. Jenny, they literally split the difference. <laughs> okay, so I was, I was okay. So the joke is kind of right. I, I was just making yeah. a guess. So I, I didn't know for sure. Brian just need to win their next game, and then they will be mathematically um, out of getting relegated. So good for you guys, Brian. Good job. Uh, next game. Speaking of relegated, Fulham are going down. Chelsea beat them two 0 I expect to go with Chelsea won 1.8 to 0.33, though the other stats pretty even. Fulham had 51% of the possession, actually, outpossessed Chelsea to 49. 10 shots for Fulham to 9. 9 chances created to 8 by Chelsea. However, 3 big chances for Chelsea, none for Brighton. Kai Havertz scoring a brace. Seems like he's found some form under Tuchel. I think, I think Havertz might be a problem, if, a, a potential hazard for the future. Yeah. No pun intended because it's Chelsea. But, but wow. I see, here's the thing. Timo Werner, I think Werner's a write-off. I think he's just, mentally, he's just not all there. And plus, he's like, he's four years older, I think, than Havertz. Havertz is still 21. Like, he's not had a good season. He's been very, since he's played like six positions. I mean, he's played like striker, center forward, cam, right wing. I think he's played a little center mid, too. He's played fucking everywhere. So, I think that there's way more hope for Havertz than there is for Timo Werner. I think Timo Werner is just done and dusted. I don't think he will ever be good in the Premier League, but I think Havertz will be very good in the Premier League. So, JD, I'm scared for Havertz, his potential. He's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Havertz, he looked unbelievable. I mean, not even just the finishing, but the runs he made. Like, the the two goals he scored, the the runs he was making from from the central attack midfield, midfield position he was playing... I, it's it's insane. His attack positioning, his versatility in that position, is crazy for how, how young he is. I and and he's he's enormous. He's like fucking six foot two or six yeah. He's three, a huge which, dude. Like you don't realize how fucking big he is. Skinny, he's big, but he's, he's big for he's big for the position he plays. Which yeah. 
makes him very versatile. That mm-hmm. and that's why he's played different positions because of his size and with his relative agility compared to his size. And I, that can only help him going forward. I I hope he turns out well. I mean, I you know I don't I don't, I don't no like I don't like Chelsea in any way, but I I don't hate individual players. Like I have nothing against Kai Havertz. He came to Chelsea. I I wish him the best. Same same with Timo Werner. Timo Werner gets a bad rap. Now, now, I'm not saying he's been good. He gets a bad rap when other players don't perform around him. Like, the goal he set up for Ziyech. Ziyech should have fucking scored that. And then everybody's saying, like, oh, Timo Werner didn't do anything. Well, you know what? He should have had a fucking assist. A great assist by that. I I don't know. It, th- this game, uh, Fulham really just are... Suck. Eating... No, they're just eating up the relegation. They, they, just, they just know they're going down. They they're they're still able to create and just not finish and they just look like they don't care. I I don't know. I at this point just throw just throw Mitrovic on. Just start him. Just fucking start him. He's your best striker. Just fucking start him. I understand why you weren't starting him early in the season. He just wasn't right for the system. Just start him now. Just switch it up. Just change it up. Yeah. We'll just see what, li- just, literally just play what's around. The worst that can happen. Play around with your system. So that you can go into next season of the championship, looking to get promoted back up. Yeah, that's exactly. all they can do right now. So yeah. I, this, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. Fulham. Yeah, I I agree. Like what the like what's the worst that could happen? You still get relegated. I mean, you're one loss away from confirming relegation. They're nine points behind Newcastle. If they lose the next game, they have to win out if they have any fucking hope. You know what I mean? They yeah. have to win out and. Judging by the fact that, you know, there's three games left to play and they have to win all of them, but they've only won five so far the entirety of the season, probably not going to fucking happen. So, they're going down. But, yeah, Matt, in terms of the game, this was a pretty cut and dry. Chelsea are just, they are better individually everywhere than Fulham, so they created better chances. They didn't create really more, but the quality was considerably better. Yeah. Everything you said, copy-paste my answer, because, yeah. I really think there's just nothing else to say. I mean, Chelsea are we're just better at every position. Also, it's a confidence thing. This Chelsea mm-hmm. team is flying. They had an amazing result midweek in the Champions League, and it's put themselves in a great position. Kai Havertz is playing the best football he's played since coming to Chelsea, which is huge because that is taking a little bit of pressure off Timo <laughs> Werner's shoulders. You also have a healthy Hakeem Zayek, which is, again, massive. This Chelsea side is just too much. It, it just really... I mean, honestly, any team in the Premier League would have had a tough day. Let's not put it all against Fulham. Any team in the Premier League would have had a very tough day today playing against Chelsea. So, at the end of the day, Chelsea handled their business. They did what they had to do. They took care of a team that's in the relegation system. You know what? Fulham, it's unfortunately... I'm inserting my... Sugar, we're going down soundtrack, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, we're going down, down in a little around because Fulham, yeah. they, they're going down swinging. That's the most Sugar important thing. Going down swinging, they're not swinging. They're, they've just given up. There's no swinging. There's no fireworks. It's um. I think it's that's not the, good currently. I think I think that's the perfect like as JD and I hit that note. It's like and transition. I don't yeah, think guys, Logan knows the reference we just made. You guys are basically the singers for that band. To be honest with you, oh, I'm pretty what's sure the band, you guys. Logan? God, 
I don't fucking care. I hate, Next I hate game, you so much. I hate you Everton so much. won, so Aston Villa 2 on expected goals. Villa won 1.62 to 1.02. Uh, on possession, this game was actually really close. Possession, Villa won 52 to 48. Shots, Everton won 16 to 13. Chances created, Everton won 13 to 8. But big chances created, Villa won 4 to 2. Carver Lewin scoring for Everton. Watkins and El Ghazi scoring for Aston Villa. Matt, this may have been the best game of the whole weekend because this game was super tight. Wall to wall. If you were going to watch any game this weekend, this was the one to watch. I mean, really, I'm just outright flat impressed with Aston Villa because I think now they've done what Wolves hasn't been able to do, which is move on from their all-star player and actually be able to win games without him. And it's kind of funny that Aston Villa have been able to win without Jack Grealish and look somewhat impressive without their star player while Wolves have had basically the entire season to get their shit together and haven't so Aston Villa my hat I tip my hat to you I am flat right impressed on how well you are playing these last few games and honestly going into upcoming games now that Jack Grealish might be available could you imagine an Aston Villa side that's able to win without relying 100% on Jack Grealish being fouled 95 times? Like, that's impressive to me. At the same time, Everton, it's the same story as it is all year. They look good one week, they look like shit the next, and it's just back and forth and back and forth. JD brought it up earlier in the year. How long is Carlos Ancelotti going to stick around knowing he's not playing any European football next season? Yeah. Not long. Not long, I don't think. Yeah, JD, your takes? Uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a great game. Um, Anwar El Ghazi, stunner at the end. It's great cap to a great game. I mean, all the couple of those. Yeah, he is. He is. I. All, all the all the goals in this game were really good. I mean, Ollie Watkins' goal was ridiculous. Just the strength he showed. To, yeah, Ollie to push Watkins off is turning defender. ever since ever since the day like Grealish. Ollie Watkins has impressed me a ton. Dude, Ollie Watkins, he like he would look a lot Holy. better on a better team. I over like I, I, as far as teams go, like he if he was on like say an Arsenal or. Well, that's kind of where I see him as, like an Arsenal. I think he'd play really well in that system. But, I yeah, I just think, like, even Calvert-Lewin's goal was a great goal. Like, it was just a he- it was just a header from a good cross, but the angle on it was really tight. I, just the fact that he got it on target, it w- was incredible. And then, El- yeah, El Ghazi's goal was stupid. I, it was just a fantastic game. I mean, not both of these clubs aren't fighting relegation or promotion, so I'm not really – neither team were worried about anything. They were just trying to put out a good game, and you know what they did. So I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good good game to say the least. Next, a game that was pretty one-sided, Newcastle nil, Arsenal 2. On the goals, Arsenal won 1.96.27. They had 61% of the ball. 19 shots to 5, 9 chances created to 5, but 0 big chances created to peace, apparently. Uh, the best Muhammad in the Premier League, Muhammad Elneny, scoring for Arsenal, and Aubameyang scoring for Arsenal as well. Matt, this was a pretty cut-and-dry, one-sided Arsenal win. Yeah, unfortunately, if you were trying to watch this game, something else was also going on around the same time, so you had to do the whole split-screen thing, and it was... 
I, I felt bad for Newcastle and Arsenal fans who don't give an absolute dog shit about what's going on at Old Trafford because they basically just woke up and just wanted to watch their team play. And of course, something else has to happen where it has to ruin their viewing experience. But yeah, Arsenal just took this game, controlled every last second. And you know what? This is a massive confidence booster for Arsenal going into the midweek Europa game where they need a result and they need one bad. This might be their only opportunity for any Europe next year. This is a huge confidence builder. And it's exactly as you said. Aubameyang got a very important confidence building goal, which he's going to need to get his confidence up because he's going to need to be lights out in that midweek fixture. Newcastle, I don't know what to say. I think you're safe. I really think you are. I really don't see one of the other, you know teams down in the relegation zone really giving you a fit I think if Newcastle gets one more result for the rest of the season so they have four games to grab one win and I think they're completely safe and again they didn't look horrible Arsenal just looked way better in this game yeah and if you're Arsenal you kind of expect to win these games because Newcastle like Newcastle are they've almost confirmed really or not relegation promotion at this point so you kind of just like you kind of want to bully a team like this and get the get the confidence up. They're they're in the top half of the table for the first time in what feels like the entire season. So this is definitely some good um some good motivation for the rest of the season for sure. Next, the ass whooping of the season or not season of the weekend at least one of the ass whooping of the season to be fair. Tottenham four, Sheffield and nil. On expected goals, Tottenham won two point two one to point four seven. They had sixty six percent of the ball. 20 shots to 8, 19 chances created to 7 and 3 big chances apiece. Bale scored a Hattie and Son scoring a goal. Um, yeah, I mean, JD, uh, what the fuck did we expect, to be honest? <laughs> this. Remember, remember when early in the season, one of my hot takes was Bale would only would score th- less than 3 goals this season? Yeah, yeah that <laughs> did happen. This game ruined it. I mean, to be it. fair, he, he has not been it. good this season. You just went to like the extreme of that take. Well, yeah, it was a hot take. I was meant I was meant to be proven wrong. That's the whole point of a hot take. I really I, don't I really don't think anyone in the world has hotter takes than JD. JD just takes literally the most like ridiculous thought that no common human would ever think of, and he's like, that's gonna happen. Yeah. Hey, man. JD just says some shit. Bill's hey, had man. nine goals and two assists in sixteen games. Why has he played more, man? You're talking to the guy that puts five dollars on Patch Bamford to get a hat trick every week. Look, that's what, what do you expect? expect? This what is on brand for JD. What do you expect? But look, Tottenham. I mean, be, they beat the shit out of Sheffield United. Who is surprised? Who? Who is surprised? No one is surprised. Sheffield United are fucking dog shit. They know it. We know it. They're already relegated. Nobody cares. I just, what? They're not even playing for anything. They're 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 already looking forward to the championship. I, it this game means nothing. I don't care that it's a 4-0 Tottenham win. It doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. Like, cool. Bale gets a hat-trick. Sun gets a goal. Cool. Great. Great. Confidence. Whatever. This game means absolutely nothing on the grand scheme of things. I just... uh, I don't know. Boring game. I mean, it it means a lot for Tottenham. Because currently there are six, of course, Liverpool and Everton have games to play of Liverpool. Do you really think Tottenham are going to get into Europe this season? Man, stranger things have happened. Fucking Leicester and West Ham might. So if they can, I think Tottenham can, to be fair. 
All right. I I don't know, man. Anything can happen. They're still fighting for it, at least. You know what I mean? Like it's they still might not do it, but at the very least, they they are expected to try. So beating beating Sheffield four now. I know you're beating up on the worst team in the Premier League, but I mean it's it does feel good every now and again. But yeah, Matt, your takeaways from this game. I have absolutely none. Congratulations, Tottenham. You did what two other teams in the Premier League weren't able to do. I won't say what teams those were. And we we have no idea who those yeah, were. Oh, I will. Memory. I uh, will. Can we talk about that? How Manchester that... United lost to Sheffield United. No, I think we can move on to West Brom versus Wolves. That ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, actually, again, another pretty close game on the stats. Expect the goals-wise, West Brom actually won 1.04 to 0.93. Wolves still had more possession, 58 to 42. More shots, 20 to 10. And more chances created 14 to 8. With two big chances, though, both of them going to West Brom. Deanye scoring for West Brom and then Silva scoring for Wolves. Matt, this is not good for Wolves whenever you let West Brom kind of beat you and then don't end up beating them. This is not a good sign for Wolverhampton Wanderers. You know what I was actually most impressed of in this game? Is, what is that? Is Big Sam's coaching ability. Because. 25 to 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. please. Hold on, hold on. Oh, please. Hold on. Spare me. Spare me a fucking thought for hold Big on. Sam. Hold my on. My ass. You're going to let me talk? You're going to let me explain why I think, you know, Big Sam deserves a little credit? Because for the first 30 minutes of this game, 25, 30 minutes of this game, Wolves dominated every aspect of this game. Big Sam came out with a back three. And he was really trying to figure out, you know what, I think this could work. And he realized 25 minutes into the game, it was not working. He took off one of his defenders, moved to a back four, and put someone in the midfield. And after that, West Brom looked a completely different team. They were actually opening up chances and actually doing things. A lot of coaches in the Premier League, and I have no issue saying Jurgen Klopp, Ali Gunnar, Carlo Ancelotti... They don't make subs until the 60th, 70th minute. They won't. They won't unless That's by injury. Yeah. So I look at it from this point of view of, you know what? I respect the fact that Big Sam realized I need a result today. Otherwise, I am screwed. Now, of course, this isn't the result that they wanted. They needed a win today. They are basically like they've put Sugar We're Going Down in the CD player, but they haven't clicked play yet. But I think they're like one game away from hitting play. Yeah, so, they are... Um... They're 10 points out of relegation. Again, they need to win out to yeah. have any hope. So, I again, it's it's going to happen. They're going to get relegated. So, I feel bad for West, you know, West Brom, but at the same time, this is just you put yourself in a hole and you couldn't get out. Same thing. Mm-hmm. But now to reverse it with Wolves. Man, you guys suck. You guys yeah, they're not good. You guys <laughs> like listening along to this game today and just the fact that like now don't get me wrong. The weather was horrible for this game. Let me be very, very clear. It was raining 50 miles an hour sideways. It was horrible weather. The ball, watching the ball just roll 10 yards and then just stop on a dime in a puddle. Like, this game was just a bad game front to back. And honestly, the second I heard the weather, I was like, I really wish I could change my result to a draw because I think that's what it's going to end up being. But yeah, this this Wolves side is just not good at any point point i jd i i open it up to you i mean i think this wolves team is in they're in trouble they are in a lot of trouble especially ending the season like this well i mean there's gonna be big changes this summer i think nuno he's gone and 
not not Wolves firing him, I think a better team is going to snatch him up. I I think the, the whole Portuguese connection, I think that's a thing of the past. I, I just I I think it's it's not working. Like I it's kind of like a running joke that, you know, the half the Portuguese national team plays for Wolves. But, it's not a joke, man. It's true. No, but but we we see it as a joke. It's like really like yeah, it's fair. Wolves. Let's say it's like it's not even like the be- like one of the better teams in the league. Like I I mean they're good. They're it's good not even on a their team day. in Portugal. It's a fucking team in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, I, they seem like a, you know a Portuguese like domestic team, but I don't know. I I just think it's I I think there's gonna be huge changes at, at the club, and it's just it, like right now it's not working. Like they have great players. You know Pedro Neto. He's so young. He's so valuable. They're gonna have to cash in on him. Yeah. Fabio Silva. Potus I mean, he's only good. been one season. Fabio Silva. Yeah. He got a lucky ass goal. I mean, credit yeah, to did. him. He was there. He had to be there to score it. It came off his foot. He didn't kick it. But you know what? He had to be there. Good for him. I just. I. I don't know. You're drawn to West Brom, who are almost mathematically down. I don't know. It, it's. It's tough to watch this Wolves team now with how good they can be. Adama Traore can look like the best winger in Europe at times, but other times he just completely goes missing. I it, it goes deeper than missing Raul Jimenez. It just goes mm-hmm. deeper than that. You, like I know that certain teams in the Premier League this season have lost, you know, stalwarts of their team. Like Van Dyke, like Jack Grealish, like James Madison, like players like that. But I think it's different for this this Wolves team because they do have quality throughout throughout their team, and they're just not playing well. And yeah. West Brom credit to them for even getting a point. I mean, th- this was a good game. It was a pretty even game, I guess. I mean, Wolves Wolves were better statistically, but I I don't know. I think it says a lot more about Wolves. They they just really yeah. need to change things up this summer. Yeah, I I agree. Also, man, I also think it's funny that we're we're giving Big Sam credit for uh, changing tactics Fuck at halftime. Like every like, I I like how it's gotten to that point with Big Sam. It's like, oh my god, he like changed tactics at halftime. But that's what I'm saying. Like, well, he good could, job, Big Sam. But I'm just saying he didn't even make it. Like honestly, like yeah. I've seen a lot of coaches. They'll change it up at halftime because they're like, "Oh, I need a team talk. Oh, I need this." You're Big praising Sam, him for doing the bare minimum of his the job. The bare mi- the bare minimum that 90 percent of the coaches in the Premier League don't yeah, do. Yeah, that's a good point. Certain coaches, like, certain a lot coaches, of managers just don't do yeah, that. Certain coaches will die on a hill. Because, oh, no. No, my tactics are working. The players are just not working hard enough. So I think about it as he realized 25 minutes into a game, this isn't working. I need to change something because I need a result. I would fucking yeah. kill if some of these other coaches in the league looked at their raw, like looked at the way the game was going 25 minutes into the game, realizing this isn't going to work. Ollie Gunner is the first person. When he first got the job, he's like, he makes a lot of changes now at halftime but before halftime we could be losing three nothing and fred could be at the fault of all three goals he'll just leave fred in he'll just sit there yeah. and just go eh. he's good for he's good for the 35 yard screamer 
Like I, that, that's he, why he, he needs to be there. Just in case. Just in just in case I the just, ball comes to him thirty five yards out. I'm not sitting here praising Big Sam like he should be winning coach of the year. I'm not praising him that he's one of the best <laughs> coaches in the world. I'm just saying it takes a lot of balls to realize twenty five minutes into a game, hey, my tactics aren't working. I need to switch it up. Because like yeah. I said at the beginning of this little rant, ninety percent of the managers Someone had a cough and might have said a name prior. Yeah, that, that, was, that, that yeah, may have been me. Yeah. Some of the best coaches in the world will die on a hill because their tactics can't be wrong. Big Sam's big enough to realize, hey, I fucked up. Let me change this up. Yeah. Who's, who, yeah. who's, a better, who's a better manager, Sam Allardyce or Marcelo Bielsa? Mm. Next game... Oh, okay. <laughs> we have Burnley one. You can't even West answer Sam. that question. West Ham can't two. We have, we have the result of I think might be the final Clerby of the season. We don't know. Uh, pending pending uh, fact checking. I don't, I West, don't look that far ahead. Yeah. West Ham two. Burnley one on expected goals. Again, another close game. Two point three three to two point two nine. West Ham one. Uh, they had fifty five percent of the ball to forty five. Twenty two shots eight. Twenty two chances created to three. And two big chances apiece. Chris Wood is inevitable scoring again. Uh, he, well, though it was a penalty. And Antonio scoring a brace. This game was also pretty good as a Monday. Clerby again. It's 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 just the magic of the Clerby. You know what I mean? This is just what happens. But yeah, JD, good game, good result for West Ham. They're still fuck. They haven't given up top four yet, man. They're I think they're two points out of it. This was an electric game for a Monday game, man. I I was I was sitting at my desk working Three from points. home. Finally, I love it. I love working from home. I was sitting here watching this game in the background, and electric game. Loved watching it. West Ham did everything they could to make this as close as possible. I mean, they've been doing that for like the last two months, man. It feels like every time they go up, they're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna give up a couple of stupid goals." I just goals. like look, the pin. Look, Stupid. the penalty the penalty aside, just the second half, look, they played well in the first half. You know, it, it, the first half ended 2-1 and the game ended 2-1. The second half, man, they looked very vulnerable in the counterattack. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't create a lot in the second half. They did. They really tried for that third goal, that insurance goal, but I they're iffy. They're iffy. I don't know. They looked, they looked really good. Ben Rama was prime fucking messy, honestly. That's weird to say. In this game, he looked unbelievable. Like, Mikel Antonio scoring both goals, great. Like, good for him. He's I, I love Mikel Antonio. I, I, he's a great player. Very underrated. But Saeed Ben Rama is unbelievable at times. And this game... Watch watch the highlights of this game. He is insane. And when Jared Bowen came on, eventually, I don't know why he didn't start. I he looked great. I mean, I, Craig Dawson kind of looked good. I that's good for West Ham, I guess. Jesse Lingard didn't do that much, but he didn't need to. They get the win again. They should have gotten the win, and they did. But it was a little tighter than it probably should have been. I don't know. Yeah, Chris Wood scoring. What else is new? I guess he does that now. But uh, otherwise, just a, a great game to watch. I mean, Chris Wood, like, goddamn, like, he is the inevitable, classic man. fucking Burnley player. I get like I, when he. I remember he he came from Leeds. He the, Burnley bought him from Leeds, and I remember his first season playing for Burnley. I'm like, holy shit, he is literally the 
most quintessential Burnley player. Just the, the the front man that doesn't give a shit if he scores nine goals a season. He's just playing for Burnley. That's just what he's doing. Yep. Like this he's just gonna he be there. He's, he's he, he, he might hit might hit double digits. Cool. Like might not. Whatever. Don't care. Don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, Matt. Anything else to add? No, really, no. I mean, honestly, this game was just, you know, West Ham took care of business. Um, I think when Mikel business. Antonio is healthy, he is one of the better strikers in this league. I mean, just his over. Imagine someone like Adama Traore with his pace and power who actually has the ability to finish. That's kind of scary. So I just think his yeah. biggest downfall is his availability because this guy seems to be one of those guys who's good for two weeks and then he's hurt for two weeks so i think west ham if they're gonna stay up it's gonna be on those broad ass shoulders of Mikel antonio so uh, hey if he stays healthy i think they're in it because if chelsea slip at all if lester slip at all i don't know what the rest of west ham's games look like but you know what as long as these guys are popping off like they are i mean guys i'm just throwing this out there now i really am if if West Ham makes Champions League, I don't care how many points Pep wins the title by. Can David Moyes is manager of the oh, year, yeah. right? 100%. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think he is regardless, personally. Yeah, in my I would opinion. agree with that, regardless. I, in my opinion, regardless, I think that he is. But yeah, West Ham have Everton, Brighton, West Brom, and Southampton to end the season. Oh, my God. Pretty, they could do it. That's pretty easy. They that's, could do it. It's kind of a cupcake those, schedule. Yeah, those that's, are, that's those, kind of a cupcake schedule. Compared to the rest of... Well, I can't imagine what yeah. the rest of you know the other teams uh, around that area have. Chelsea's. Chelsea's is City, Arsenal, Leicester, Villa. Oh, my that's God. Rough. Oh, my God. That's hard as shit. If you're West Ham, you're like, all we got to do is do our business. Because Chelsea, especially if they look to advance in the Champions League, being in the driver's seat in their contest. Yeah. I, do, I, also, hate to, I hate to keep giving myself stutters, guys, but I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Chelsea might slip up once, maybe twice. And West Ham, those are all not just games you can grab a point from if they play their game they should win all those games yeah they should win all four of those games Leicester have Newcastle which is kind of a game but then United Chelsea Tottenham to end the season so that's don't a- count out don't count out the Leicester bottle just yet don't count it out oh I'm telling you right now boys and girls it is getting hot that West that Leicester Chelsea game is gonna be fire yeah uh Zero, yeah. zero, zero draw. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, zero, that zero. Way, yeah. For for Liverpool, they have United, of course, which we're about to get to in a second. And then uh, Southampton, West Brom, Berlin, Crystal Palace, four very should-be-winnable games for Liverpool. And Tottenham have, of course, Leicester, as we mentioned, Leeds, Wolves, and Villa. So West Ham have by far the easiest schedule out of, the, out of those teams. David so, Moyes pull out a master class, baby. It's guys, it's not over. It's just it's just getting started for top four. So we have that to look forward to. Again, only four more games left in the season for most teams, five for a couple others. Like Liverpool and Manchester United, who got their game postponed because a couple of people decided that you guys weren't gonna have a game today. So they didn't let that happen. Fans stormed Old Trafford. They, I, I don't know if they broke in, if they were let in, if they if a mob overpowered the, the security. I don't know. Regardless, fans were just running around at on on Old Trafford like they were fucking Wayne Rooney. So that was just happening. People had balls. They were on top of goal stands. 
people were breaking shit, throwing shit around. And of course, this is in protest of the Glazers and everything surrounding the Super League. So, JD, I, I want your take, well, your opinion of the situation. Was this a good good decision, bad decision by the fans? Just kind of like your takes on the overall and just kind of the whole situation. Look, I I think the protest itself was the right thing to do because obviously it's not getting through to the Glazers that the fans do not want them. And I don't know. I'm going to take an Americanized approach to this and say it reminded me of the January 6th, uh, 2021 insurrection at the Capitol in a sense that, you know, they're breaking into, you know, the, the ground of, you know, the, the, well, basically the capital of what they're talking about, Old Trafford. But for once, I'm kind of backing them. I, I, you know, I'm actually backing these supporters. They were, they were mostly peaceful. I, I think, yeah, there were, you know, you're gonna have ba- you're, you're gonna have a minority of bad people in that situation where they're gonna be throwing shit at the fucking police. Like that's gonna happen anytime. But for the most part, they were peaceful. They, other than the people like destroying shit or like stealing shit. A lot of the people were just, you know, yelling and holding up signs saying, fuck you, Glazers. And I don't know. It's hard to argue with their message. It's hard to. Because it's been over 10 years in the making. This is not a new thing. 16. 16. Well, yeah, okay. Well, I'm right either way. Over 10 years. I don't know. It just, it took this European Super League idea for to, to for it to boil over again because i'm pretty sure i i correct me if i'm wrong i think this with a similar thing happened like a while ago like people were out and about against the glazers and it just it doesn't help that sir alex ferguson was like <laughs> backing the glazers from the get-go and i don't know matt yeah. you look like you really have something to say well and no I'm rambling, so, so. so no you're fine no so the thing you're talking about is the yellow and green movement so the yellow and green colors were new Towton, which is um new new Towton heath i think is the original name of manchester united i can't remember i'm a little drunk because i knew when we got to this part of the conversation i kind of want to drink a chili you're drinking trulies okay well when you've had three so far on a 50 <laughs> minute right. light, don't you can't judge people for beer choice what the fuck i've had like eight natty lights yes at two at two percent alcohol my apologies okay? 4.2 oh my sir okay. you guy and no, anyway. but basically the the yellow and green movement was for basically, you know, re, uh, fighting against the Glazers. And that's where the color scheme came from is the, those were the original colors of Manchester United before they were Manchester United. So the biggest movement was is, and, and, and you see a lot of pundits out there who are making really dumb, 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 dumb quotes where they're like, oh, Manchester United fans are only really upset because they haven't won the league in a while, and that's why they're all pissed off, and their neighbors keep winning the league, and their rivals keep winning the league, so that's why they're mad. At the peak, the peak, off of multiple titles, Champions Leagues, everything, Manchester United were still in the yellow, fans were still in the yellow and gold, chanting, love United, hate Glazers. Because from day one, the Glazers bought Manchester United on loaned money. So friendly reminder, boys and girls, that the 
Glazers did not walk up to Manchester United and buy the majority stakes of the club with their own money. No, 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 no. They happened to go to someone and at J.P. Morgan, uh, some by, someone by the name of Ed Woodward. Maybe you know. Oh, yeah, that's correct, because Ed Woodward worked for J.P. Morgan before the Glazers bought Manchester United. Yes, that's correct. So Manchester United was purchased by the Glazers on borrowed money. So now the Glazers are in a ton of debt, and now Manchester United are owned on credit. Do you know how the Glazers have been paying their debts all these years? Yes, boys and girls, that's correct. While the Tampa Bay Buccaneers continue to lose money because NFL franchises don't know how to make money, the Glazers are funding their debt and their football team with, yes, boys and girls, that's correct, with Manchester United's profits. That is correct. Manchester United sold Cristiano Ronaldo for a world record fee of $85 million, signed two free transfers, and uh, like $10 million in Mikel uh, uh, Antonio Valencia. So friendly reminder that those types of moves throughout the years, that's only one move I'm going to describe. But basically every single year the club sells and does not spend then turns around and pockets the money and does not invest into things that need to get invested to. Old Trafford used to be the greatest stadium in the UK. Now, if you go to uh, Old Trafford, the place is falling apart. That's because no basic maintenance has been taken care of since the Glazers have owned the club. Have you ever realized that they don't care? Oh, by the way, this is also a uh, owners that don't go to games. They don't watch the games. To be fair, it wasn't until about four or five years into owning the club did one of the Glazers actually say, this is an actual quote from Jay Glazer, where he came out and said, it took me three years, like two to three years to learn the offsides rule. Imagine owning one of the biggest clubs in the world and not knowing one of the basic rules of the sport. This is what United fans have had to deal with. This is what they've been dealing with since day one. There are fans who, from the moment the Glazers took control, have been absolutely against this club. Now, unfortunately, they bought the club right around the time I started supporting the club. So I personally have only known what Glazer ownership has been like. But there are fans out there who are now in their 40s and 50s who got to experience what Manchester United was like when you had ownership groups who put money back into the club. And those are the people who are pissed. And it's those people who are having kids who are growing up pissed at this club. 16 years of peaceful protest has turned nothing. They don't talk to the fans. It's amazing that other ownership groups around the world talk to their fan base listen to their fan base, and want to hear things their fan base has to say. The Glazers have both publicly come out. It is the two Glazer brothers who have publicly come out and said, we don't care what you think. Someone, yeah, uh, some, so, someone else talk. Yeah, someone else talk. Because okay. honestly, I could, go, I could go for another 35, 40 minutes on this because this hits home in every shape and form for me. Yeah, let's. I want to talk about the 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 um. I guess the thought behind and the the actual act of the protest. Um. So, th I am personally one hundred percent back any idea of any protest that directly influences the money being made by the ownership. 
Now, this game couldn't happen. This game didn't happen. So Manchester United didn't make any money in Liverpool as well. They're definitely not, um, I guess, victim, or I guess, uh, not guilty in this because I think it was, if it was just a, if this was just a United game, I don't think this really would have happened, but it was United and Liverpool, both ownerships, very much backing the Super League. This directly affected both of them because, hey, no one watched our game. No one saw us play. We didn't like. We didn't get any new eyes. There wasn't anyone watching the game. We didn't generate any revenue for this game because it didn't happen. And there is no way you are going to get to the billionaires other than directly influencing their back pocket. So I 100%. This is absolutely. This sent a message to I think a lot of the big six. Like whoa, okay, these guys are a lot more angry than what we thought that they were. Fans are pissed, and rightfully so, because you are taking the game and ruining the credibility of it for money, and the fans don't really like that. They're not a fan of that, and they decided that you weren't going to play football that day, and there was nothing you could do about it, and now other teams, other fans of teams, like Arsenal fans or Chelsea fans could look at that and be like, you know what, we could do that. Liverpool fans could do that. City fans don't exist. Spurs fans are <laughs> sad and depressed. Like, it it can happen. It can happen to those teams. Like, every team has to look at this and be like, fuck, this could be us. Like, this is, these guys could have been fucking up our grounds. We could have had fans standing on our, on, on, just like climbing up our fucking goalposts and throwing shit on our field. Like, it's pretty fucking awesome to see fans really just going at these motherfuckers. Like, listen, bitches. Go fuck yourselves. How about that? No game's going to be played. We're going to sit here and we're going to tell you that you're not going to play a game because we're going to break in. Matt? And this is, you know, you it's exactly as you said. The biggest thing I could see was outside of the hotel where Manchester United players were staying prior to going to Old Trafford for the pregame was about a couple thousand fans standing out and there with one big sign that just says, we decide when you play. Because at the end of the day, Manchester United, along with a lot of other clubs, has said they hang banners and stuff like that. Football is nothing without the fans. Well, congratulations. Mm -hmm. The fans have gotten together and realized, you know what? Guess what? Today, no one's playing football. We decide when you have your game. We will decide when you make your money. That's the other thing I don't think the Glazers and all these other owners understand. Do you think after COVID, what? Are we all just going to go back to normal? Are we all just going to walk back in the stadium and sing songs of good times and drink beer and watch our teams win, lose, or draw and then go home to our families and talk about the good times? Absolutely not. There's just going to be more chaos. There's going to be more violence. There's going to be more. And again, I don't condone violence. That's the first thing I want to say. I do not condone acts upon other people. But also, do not let the media describe that all of these Manchester United, as they labeled in quotation hooligans, were causing violence and riots and attacking police. There are reports all over Manchester from reporters on site that the police in Manchester were um, took a swing at a child trying to retrieve her ball. And that's where things got out of hand. And that's where violence happened. But you won't hear that from the major sources because they don't want the police looking like the bad guy. They want to make it seem like these soccer hooligans are the bad guys because, oh, look, they're standing up for what they believe in and they got violent. Well, you know what? That's not exactly how it went, depending on the sources that you 
you know, like to listen. And I'm also the type of person who goes, eh, maybe the government doesn't always tell the truth. Maybe the media doesn't always tell the yeah. truth. But I look at it from the point of view of this was a strategic attack. The United fans knew exactly what they were doing that day. They had people at the stadium and they had people at the hotel. They knew exactly what to do and when to do it. They knew to do it right when the Arsenal and Newcastle game was going off because for people who weren't even watching the United game, they would have to if they were watching the Newcastle-Arsenal game because they knew every sports media channel would be on this coverage. That's number one. Number two, they got into a stadium by an inside source. I don't care what you say. The people inside Old Trafford don't want the Glazers running it either because they see it falling yeah. apart every single day. I don't care that the Manchester United came out and said that this was not an inside job. This was 1,000% an inside job. There are multiple sources from within inside the Manchester United fan bases where that gate was wide open. Well, you were yeah. just saying, you were just saying how, well, earlier you were saying like how the stadium hasn't been renovated. So maybe just the stadium isn't that good. Like security's not that good. Because here's the maybe thing. Maybe they is, just walked in. So this is how I look at it. There's multiple <laughs> sources that Old, Old Trafford is the hardest stadium to get into. When it is properly secured, Old Trafford is basically where they would hide the queen if they needed to hide her somewhere. So the fact that a bunch of, you know, intoxicated some intoxicated fans were able to just walk in through the front door yeah okay that's not how this works okay this was all strategically planned and the united fans were able to do this to a t and this i'm now stepping away from the manchester united side point of view it's exactly as logan said liverpool fans chelsea fans maybe some city fans maybe some tottenham fans you know they're all looking at this and going we can do that. We can definitely do that. Look at how pissed off everyone is by their actions. It's only the start. There's already reports that Manchester United are going to do another anti-Glazer uh, uh, rally around the 15th or 16th of May. So it's not over. And wait until Manchester United fans travel to away grounds in protest. Wait until they go to other places in protest. This is all I'm saying. This is just the start. And yes, the government is trying to implicate these new rules that take a little bit of power away from these owners. And I know a lot of fans would love to have what basically they have in Germany, which is the 50 plus one rule. So those who do not know is season ticket holders of the club own a 51% vote on things going on you know, within the club, major decisions. I'm not saying every single transfer, but anything that involves a large, large sum of money, whether it's a competition or it's a thing with the stadium or it's a thing with the kits and it's things like that just have an overall effect with the club's financial point of view. The fans have the majority of the decision over the owner. That yeah. is what these English clubs are trying to get. And of course, Manchester United is still one of the most expensive clubs in the world. The Glazers are not just going to turn over possession like that. They're not going to just be like, eh, I don't feel like owning something that's worth $4.5 billion. There's already reports that even though the United's worth about $4 billion, the Glazers wouldn't sell it for anything less than $7 billion. So, unfortunately, there's not someone with you know in the world who's a massive Manchester United fan. We should fan. start a Patreon. I think we should start a Patreon. So we could actually like own... Yeah, yeah, so we could. I would. Well, so we could own it. well, no, no. I mean, they're they're publicly traded. You can actually buy shares at Manchester United. It's it's one of a few football clubs that you, you can actually buy shares of. 
which is hilarious. But that's surprising. No, but I yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, my thoughts are there needs to be government interaction with the ownership system of English football because, like you said, in Germany, the fifty plus one rule has overall worked out. Now there is the case of RB Leipzig, but that's that is a very specific example. Where yeah, they, that is, I mean, Red Bull they, found they, a huge loophole. Like they, Red they Bull found, found a, a huge massive loophole, loophole, and it took like seven years to do. I was about to say because yeah, people, exactly. people hey. also, yeah, people also don't realize the Red Bull, like when they when Red Bull bought Red Bull Leipzig, they bought like an eighth tier division. Yeah, German club. It took forever to, to to get that. I don't I don't see that happening in England. I just don't, and I I, I really think government interaction to propose this uh, a, a similar 50 plus one type rule with ownership in, in in english football honestly would really help ease the fans minds with how these football clubs are run well and well i was well, gonna say what do you what do you guys think the government wants to come out and they basically well not the government the premier league wants to come out and make all owners including new owners have to sign a document stating that they will not try the super league stuff again basically when you join the premier league you have to run a background check that's number one and then number it's two, already you know, in the premier league contract wait. it's already there they want the well, fact yeah. that they tried the super league that was breaching the premier league contract it was already yeah. there. That that that's what I'm afraid of. That see, that's what I'm afraid of is that the fact that it was already there, the rule that you cannot break away to another European league, and they try to do it anyway. That's the problem. No, yeah, and, and I, 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 here's the thing, and I've been the first person to say it, and I'll have you guys as well chime in with you know what you guys think the punishment should be. I think every single club should be docked 25 points. I think that they should be... Season like, no and void. No, no and void, just no, like last season. I, you, <laughs> just kidding. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I yeah, First of all, joining the Super League should be a mass... Like, trying to join the Super League should be a massive points thing. Like, they should... I mean, massive. Yeah. I'm talking, like, the difference between finishing second and finishing ninth. Like, I would love... And you know what? I'm the first person. Matt, why would you want Manchester United to leave a Champions League spot? Because you know what? Guess what? If we don't get in Champions League, we don't make Champions League money. Do you know what happens when we don't make Champions League money? That's less money the Glazers can take out of my club. Because who do you think man? Um, who do you think Manchester United's gonna go after this summer? They're gonna go after no one. They're gonna say it's a pandemic, even though they're selling more jerseys, t-shirts, and merch than they ever have before. More people are watching TV, which means more advertisement money. Do not tell me that Manchester United doesn't have the money. No, you're going to sit there, you're going to take your Champions League money, and you're going to put it right in your pocket, and you're going to cry because it's a pandemic. And, oh, it's hurt, and we're still paying our employees. Please, the employee's paycheck is not what you fucking tip at the fucking yacht club. Um, If they were Doc 25 points arsenal would get relegated liverpool would just barely get relegated and so would tottenham so i don't think they would go that far but i think like a 15 to 15 point something something to get i think i think a fair a fair um punishment would be to dock them that amount of points so they don't play champions league as well as they have to give up their like premier league like money from like where they finish in the premier league no i 
that like, you don't get that money. I, you just fucking don't. And like I, City, oh, oh, you won the league? Sucks. You try to leave it. So if you wanted to leave it so bad, how about you don't get money from it? How about fucking that? It'd be, tough. It, it, it'd be tough to dock that many points for yeah. six clubs. You know, the six, like, historically I would say ten clubs. points. I think ten points is fair if even you're then, also going to give them all the money. Or right. if you're just going to take all their money away. Even then, it'd be tough because... If you if if three of the teams that are about to make the premier or the Champions League, if three if three of those teams don't make the Champions League, that has a ripple effect with the Premier League because it it the, making the Champions League entices players, good, well known European players, to come to the Premier League, and if those specific teams don't make the Champions League, that is lost revenue for eyes on the Premier League. You know, does players it, like does I, it, I, I just does I it sound I, does it does it sound crazy that if I was let's just say I'm a German player, I'm a German, I'm someone playing in the Bundesliga right now, and I'm linked with some of the biggest clubs. Das. I'm 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 linked with all the teams right now in the top five of the Premier League. That includes you're Holland. You're Erling yeah. Holland, basically. Just say you're Erling Holland. Okay, I'm Erling Holland. But let's just say Leicester and West yeah, Ham can actually fit the bill. Oh, we can actually afford you. We can pay the fees. We can do that stuff. You know what? If I'm Erling Holland, I go, well, the owners care. The owners don't want to leave. And you know what? I don't know what all these fines and punishments are going to look like down the road. Maybe I ignore some of these other teams and maybe I just go for the teams I know who will give a shit. Or we've already made this conversation on the like one of the last pods. How many of the biggest stars are going to go to the German and French league knowing right off the bat all the biggest teams went, yeah, fuck your super league, dude. We're going to stay here. We're going to play Champions League. We're going to play our regular league because we actually give yeah. a fuck about the little guy. While in the, you know, Premier League, La Liga. I mean, to be fair... I don't think it's still not talked about enough. Barcelona and Real Madrid are still in the Super League. Like, yeah, they're, they're still trying for it, man. They're yeah. still fine. Like, them I, boys are like, are down bad and in I, terms of money. And like, I, they are struggling. And I think it's hysterical that you hear like throughout, like you hear the Premier League. Oh, there's going to be punishments. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. Have has has anyone heard any punishments going for Real Madrid and Barcelona? Because I haven't heard yeah. one. I've heard same that, with like uh, yeah. UEFA. Like UEFA's talking all that shit, you know, about like oh there will be bans from Champions League. And it's like again, just like I called, I was like they ain't gonna do fucking shit, and they ain't there. They haven't yet, and I would be shocked if they ever did. But yeah, I don't think we have seen the end of protests. I don't think we've seen the end of these these events. I think it is just now starting, and it will be very entertaining to see. What happens if this game goes on? What happens with it? When it will go on? Where it will go on at? Because I don't think they would be... They would be fucking stupid to try to play this at Old Trafford or Anfield. I think they'd be fucking dumb. So they're going to have to play it somewhere else. They're going to go to the middle of fucking nowhere in like the north. And just <laughs> somewhere where they're like, let's hope that these 2,000 people aren't all Manchester United fans. But yeah, we... I'm, I am I think we should end that... We, we should end the conversation here because it's not finished. I don't think. I don't think nowhere. the conversation in terms of no, protests. There's a lot to come. Nowhere, a lot to come. nowhere yeah. close. Nowhere winter, close. Yeah, winter is coming, even though it's summer is coming. Summer is coming, and, man, it's <laughs> coming hard. It's it's winter comes hard. But, yeah, that's going to be the show, guys. Um, thank you all for so much for listening. We love and appreciate every single one of you all. Have a safe week. We'll see if anything else comes about. Just check out the Champions League. There's all the Champions League's happening over the week. 
the Champions League final will be set this week. I know we didn't talk about it because there are a lot of Premier League stuff to talk about, but we'll talk about that on Friday. So y'all have a good week. We love and appreciate y'all. Adios. Be safe, y'all. Peace out.